Hey, what's up? My name is Steven, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Hey, listen, let's uh, jump into the Word. Turn to the book of Revelation. Chapter two, and be like, yeah, let's get it. No, we're not going to talk about end times. Okay, we're not going to go there. I do want to talk about something though that um, we all kind of deal with, but we often don't like to admit it. We all go through it, but we don't like to talk about it. Especially those of us who have been walking with Jesus for a little while, Um, and and. When we first start on this journey of walking with Jesus, we think it's all gonna be um, rainbows and unicorns and roses and everything's gonna be great. And it it doesn't mean that it's actually um, going to be easy, but it means walking with Jesus is gonna be better. But even walking with Jesus, there, there are these seasons that we go through, and John describes this in the book of Revelation, and it's written by John, not John the Baptist, but John the disciple, who also wrote the Gospel of John, and then 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He wrote these, and he has this, um, this, this vision of Jesus and in, in chapter 1, and then in chapter 2 and 3, He's, he's writing these letters to the churches as Jesus gives him instruction to write. And so we're going to look here in verses two and four in the ESV, it says this. And so he's writing to the church in Ephesus here. And so if you think about the book of Ephesians that Paul wrote was actually a letter written to those that attended the church of Ephesus. And so now Jesus is telling John, hey, I want you to write this letter to the, to the church of Ephesus. And he says this, he says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you have found them to be false. And so John is giving them some encouragement. He says, listen, you've done all these great things. You've been patient. You've worked hard. You've endured. You've pointed out those that are preaching a a false gospel. And he says, I know that you are enduring patiently, and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. And, and we know, like, one of the passages in, in Ephesians, it says to do not grow weary in well-doing. And so John is saying, look, you've not grown weary in well-doing. Good job. You've done all these things. Good job. But verse 4, what is the first? It says, but... But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. And different translations say that you abandoned your first love of me. And for others, it says that you abandoned the love that you had at first. And it kind of reminded me um, when I was younger and, and I would go to parent-teacher conference and you would sit with your teacher and the teacher would begin telling the parents, like, like your parents, all the good things that you've done. It's like, well, you're really good at this. He's really good at this. But then it like saves the bad to the end. All my teachers in the house, right? You, like that's, that's what you do. But 
Stephen really has a hard time keeping his mouth closed when he's supposed to be listening, right? And so for me, when I was in college, um, I, you know, really struggled my freshman year. It was like just enjoying the freedom, anybody else? And then um, I was on scholarship and I had to maintain a certain average in order to keep my scholarship. And this is my first time living away from my family and just kind of having this freedom because my mom, God love her, she was a smother mother to a degree, but I'm finding out that I'm actually maybe a little worse than my mom. And so when it came spring semester, something happens after you go through like the coldness of winter and then March, April starts to come around and then you're walking to class and the weather's nice and then you realize that, you know what? I don't really want to walk to class. I want to hang out at the university center with my friends. And so I did really well in all my classes except my physical education class because he was the type of teacher that if you didn't get there on time, he locked the door so you couldn't come in. And he was all the way on the other side of class. And so I missed his class a lot, even knowing that if you miss his class three times, you automatically get dropped a letter grade. Like that was one of the requirements. And so I made all A's and B's except my physical education class. And guess what I made in that? A C. Some of you are like, I would have died for a C. Listen, that was a big deal because that put me in a place where I was losing my scholarship. So I'd made A's and B's, but I had a C. And, and what had happened is I went through this slump. Anybody? Like the weather's nice. I really don't want to go to class. Like I, I, I went through this slump and we, we hear people talk about slumps in the economy and in sports, but if we're not careful when the summertime hits and the weather's nice and our schedules are all off, guess, guess what can happen to us? We can actually go into a spiritual slump, right? And, and we've all experienced it. We don't like to talk about it, but this is what a slump is, okay? Just, just looking at the definition of a slump. A slump is a period of noticeable deterioration in efficiency, effectiveness, production, or quality. So it's this noticeable deterioration in efficiency, effectiveness, production, or quality. And if we're not careful, like we can very easily allow distractions and allow different things to, to send us into a slump. Anybody felt that before? I'm watching the NBA playoffs right now, I'm watching like NBA more in the last two or three years than I ever have. And LeBron James, LeBron James, LeBron James is in the finals or the, the conference finals. And he didn't hit a three-pointer in the first two games. Finally hit his first three-pointer last night. He was in a slump. And, in, and, and my 401k has been in a terrible slump in the last couple of years. Anybody else, right? And so it's like those are really bad, but it's even a little more dangerous, I think, for those of us as Christians walking with Jesus when we allow ourselves to get into a spiritual slump. Um, but I want you to know, even though we don't talk about it, slumps happen. When you read through Scripture, you see these great heroes of faith, and we're actually going to talk about um, coming back in June, our summer series is going to be called Running with Giants, 
where we talk about some of these heroes of the faith and, and what they went through. But you can look through scripture very quickly and you can see all these um, giants of the faith. They experience these slumps or these ruts. We see Abraham waiting to have a child, a son for 20 years. It was probably a slump in there, wouldn't you think? Moses wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. Elijah called down fire um, from heaven and defeated all the prophets of Baal. But then immediately after that, what does he do? He takes off running, like, like hoping to die, wishing he hadn't even been born. He's in a, he's in a slump. Um, we see David having a slump where he commits adultery, where he deceives and actually sets up an opportunity for murder to take place. And there's probably really no one in all of scripture that describes his spiritual highs and lows better than David. And like, as I got to just reading through this, like the Psalms are just so rich and just so vivid of, of all of David's highs and lows. And this is what it sounds like when David is living his best life with the Lord. In Psalm 18, verses 28 through 31, this is, this is David really connecting with the Lord. And, and we've all had those moments where it's like, Everything the pastor says is just rich. Every song that we sing in church is just rich. Every worship song that comes on the radio is just like we're just connecting with it because we're not in a slump. We're in a spiritual high, so to speak. And this is what David says. He says, you, Lord, you keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against the troops with my God, I can scale or I can jump over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. For who is God beside the Lord? And who is the rock except for our God? And like, like I remember even as a teenager and even as an adult, like coming back from a conference or a camp experience or a revival night experience, like I feel like I could jump over a wall for Jesus, right? We, we, we just feel this strength within our faith that nothing's gonna stop us. But then at some point, we're gonna come off that, that high. We're gonna come off that great experience and we're gonna go into a dip. Seth Golden has a, has a book called um, The Dip, when we go into a slump. And this is what it sounds like when David found himself in a slump. Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand and turn and answer me, oh Lord? And I love this. It says, return the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. <laughs> it's pretty dramatic, pretty dramatic. And, and we've been in these seasons where it feels like every prayer that we pray is just hitting the ceiling. And so we're like, why even pray? And we talk about it sometimes in worship. It's like we come in and I, and I hear the songs and I hear the words that the worship team is leading us in, but I'm just not really feeling it for me because we're basing our spiritual strength based on how we feel. And to know, like we have to understand that dips are going to happen, that slumps are going to happen. We have to recognize them. And, and, and here's the truth. Spiritual slumps are common to get in but they are not okay 
to stay in. Spiritual slumps are okay and are common. They're common to get in, but they're not okay to stay in. And so how do, we, how do we recognize when we're going into a dip? How do we get out of it? And let me just say this before I get going any further. It's not about us willing ourselves out of it. Because with our natural strength, guys, we can't pull ourselves out of it. But when we link up and grab a hold of the spiritual authority and the spiritual power that we have through our relationship with Jesus, and like I talked about last week, like it's like that, that, um, river of life, that wellspring of life within us, that Holy Spirit-led life, that's where our strength comes from. But even those of us who have that, we're gonna find ourselves in a slump sometimes. And so some things that you and I, as we get ready to go into our summer, because I know some of us are gonna be traveling, vacation, the weather's gonna be nice, and our routines are gonna be off. Like, I look forward to the summer, because those of us especially that, that, that have kids at home, we look forward to summer because it feels like our pace slows down a little bit. We don't have school and extracurricular activities. But as the summer goes further along, I am so looking forward to the school year so that we can get back into a routine because I feel like, like my whole equilibrium just gets thrown off and I get in that slump. And so how can we, as we're going into the summer, maintain and, and, and catch ourselves when we're going into a slump. One thing is this, okay? Some, like this is the top thing that probably pushes us or drags us into a spiritual slump, and it's this. We don't like to talk about it a lot, but it's probably the number one thing. It's sin. It's sin. And so the question I ask if we're not feeling, if, 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 if we're feeling like, David's like restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Maybe there is some sin within our life that we need to deal with. So the question I ask is like, what's, what's in my heart? What's in my heart? And David says this in, in Psalm 19. He says, how can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. How can I know all the, all the sins lurking in my heart? There are some sins, and he says, um, keep me from hidden sins and deliberate sins. Like there are some things that we sin against God that we don't really know that we have not discovered that it is a sin. We call it maybe a weakness or a fault or something we can't control or that's just, we have, we have yet to see it as sin. Does that make sense? Like, like we've yet to see it as something that is separating us from God. So there are those sins that we don't know. David even says this, point out anything in me that offends you because there may be some things within our heart, within our life that offends God that we're not aware of. You don't know what you don't know, Right? But it says there are also some deliberate sins that when we know, like these are things that we know go against God's best for us, they break his heart, but we still do it anyway. And you can say you don't do that, but I know we've all done it, right? It's like the toddler. You tell them no, not to do something, and like the whole time they're looking at you, reaching out for whatever it is you're telling them not to touch, right? 
And it's cute when they're a toddler, but it's deadly when you're an adult and it comes to our spiritual life because it begins to deteriorate things within our life. And um, it says, how can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Passage of scripture says, the heart is what? Deceitful above all else. The heart is deceitful above all, above all else. And we were talking about this in our guys' small group um, back in the fall about how like we don't, like, we don't know when our heart is being deceitful. And, and one of the guys asked, he was like, well, well, is there a way that you can know when your heart's deceiving you? And you can't because that's what's deceptive about your heart is you don't know when you, you don't know when you're being deceived. But what we can do is like David is, is say, God, where is my heart deceiving me? Can you point that out? And then when we recognize that, Paul says this in Colossians, that we are to put to death every earthly and evil thing lurking inside of me, lurking inside of my heart. That's violent. Like we put it to death. We crucify it. We crucify it on, on, on the cross. We leave it there. And so as you're going into the summer, maybe even now you're feeling disconnected and you're in a slump, so we ask ourselves this question, God, what's, what's in my heart? Can you show me what's there? Is there sin that I need to deal with, that I need to take care of? And the other one, the second one is, is something else that I think kind of lines up with it, um, is disobedience, which is also sin because James says that if you know what is right and you don't do it, that is sin. But really, a lot of times, we don't see disobedience as that. That we think there's an out because we have a good excuse. And we think excuse are just for teenagers. Adults are really good at making excuses too. And, and so ask this question, what am I not doing? Like, what, what am I not doing? What is God asking you to do? What is God calling you to do? What, what, what direction is he asking you to take? First Samuel Chapter 15, verse 22, it's the story of King Saul, the first um, king of Israel. One of my favorite stories. This is one of my favorite passages. And um, God has told King Saul through the prophet Samuel to go and completely destroy all this people, like, like all the Amalekites, the kings, the women, the children, all the livestock. Well, Saul is partially obedient. And he keeps the king and he keeps the best of the flocks and he brings them back to offer them as a sacrifice to the Lord in front of everybody. And so he's not really being obedient. And, and, and Samuel shows up and, says, and, and Saul says, greetings, Samuel, I've done everything that the Lord has asked me to do. And, and Samuel says, well, well, why do I hear the mooing of cows and the bleeding of sheep? And then Samuel or Saul's like, well, I kind of kept this because I was going to offer a sacrifice. And this is, this is what Samuel says to him. What's more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen. Everyone say, listen. It's like, listen, Linda, listen, right? He says, listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. Submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Partial obedience is full disobedience. And so here's what I want you to think. Like, is there something that God is challenging you to do? Is there something he's asking you to do? And it could be something as simple as having a conversation with someone. 
It can be something as simple as, I don't know, like what little thing has the Lord been prompting in you that you need to do that you've been putting it off? And we always think that we, we have to be obedient in the large things. It's like you look at my family, like God called us to move two and a half hours, move my family and plant a church. Yes, Stephen, you better be obedient in that. But what if he's calling us to be obedient and just having a, a tough conversation with someone? What if he's calling us to be obedient in, in being honest with someone? And so what is it that you're not doing, that we're not doing? We feel ourselves going into this slump. And the third thing is, is this, is, is neglect. Neglect. Something like an excuse we use a lot of times is I did not mean to. It's like I didn't, I didn't mean to. And when you don't mean to do something, that you were supposed to do, or, or, or I forgot, that is neglect. So when I ask you, the question we ask is like, what are my priorities? Where are my priorities? And, and we all know this passage of scripture. We know this verse, Matthew 6, 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. So when we look at our priorities of just basic, like daily disciplines, guys, it's like where, where are we falling short and neglecting those things? Like if we were to take survey of, of our life and our week and our month, are we neglecting the disciplines of Bible reading and prayer and worship? Like honestly, if, if the only time you're singing and worshiping on Sunday mornings, you're neglecting your spiritual life. Like, like you're neglecting your spiritual life and you are setting yourself up for a spiritual slump. Where, like, are you prioritizing serving? Because when you look in scripture that we are to be like Jesus as he's washing the disciples' feet, he says, just as I've done, go and do likewise. Are we prioritizing spending time in Christian community? Look, I will never be the, 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 the type of pastor that says you only need to have relationships with, with Christians because if we don't get outside of our Christian bubble, then there's no opportunity for us to bring people in. But are we prioritizing community within the faith outside of just Sunday mornings? Small groups are gonna start back up in the fall. If you'd like to lead a small group, one of the things that we say here is just take what you're already doing and invite people along. So if you enjoy reading and drinking coffee, guess what your small group can be? Reading and drinking coffee. If you love bowling, guess what your small group can be? Bowling. And we just ask that you take what you're already doing and just bring people along in community because you grow stronger in community. And if you have an idea for leading a small group, the summer is gonna go by quick and we wanna start up in September with, with a good like, um, selection of groups. If you have an interest in something, let us know so that we can prioritize that, help you prioritize that. We don't want you to add anything to your, to your schedule or calendar. Just take something that you're already, already doing. Um, are we giving our time and energy to everything else and neglecting giving our time and energy to the things of God. And this last one is something that the Lord's really been dealing with me on. And it's pace. It's pace. What am I missing? The 
question we ask ourselves. When we feel like David, it's like, Lord, return the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. A lot of times it could be pace and we're missing where God is at. We're missing where God is speaking, what he's doing. And we know this Psalm, right? David is famous for this one. Psalm 23 says, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. There's a story of this European missionary group that they were in Africa doing some missionary work. And they hired some local villagers to be their guide and to be their porters to carry all of their stuff. Some of you guys maybe have have heard about this. And so the first two days as they're traveling, the local villagers that they had hired weren't moving as fast and they weren't making um, as much headway as what they wanted to make. And so the third day came and they had this goal and this timeline that these missionaries wanted to meet. And so they're, they're pushing, pushing these local villagers, their guides, pushing them harder. And they went twice as far as they had on day two, on day three. So day three, they went twice as far as they did on day two. And they get up at night before they go to bed. They're, they're just all excited about all the um, advancements they'd made, everything they'd accomplished in that day. And then they get up on day four and they get ready to go. And the local villagers that they had hired aren't moving. They're not getting ready, they're not going, and they're trying to to hurry them up. And the villagers say this, they say, we can't go on. We have to wait for our souls to catch up with us. That there are times we can move so far ahead and we're moving so fast in what we think are good things, what the missionaries were doing, that was a good work, would we not agree? But they were moving so fast and so far that the locals who may not have even really known God, had said, wait, we're moving too fast. Our souls have been left behind. And and when you read scripture, Jesus wasn't running everywhere. Guess what he was doing? He was walking. And and, and there's a book called The Three Mile an Hour God. Because when you're walking, the average pace and speed that you walk at is three miles an hour. And a lot of us, especially as it gets to the end of the school year for all of our teachers, I know that you're running like 100 miles an hour. But in life, if we're always running with that, we're leaving our souls behind and we will very, very easily find ourselves in a slump. We have to slow down so that we can hear what God is saying, so that we can see what he's doing. And, and, and when our pace changes, our perspective changes as well. When our pace changes, our perspective changes. We're able to see the things that God is doing and it's easier for us to be grateful when we slow down. It's easier for us to contemplate the word of God when we slow down. When we allow ourselves, just even this, guys, to allow ourselves to hear and feel ourselves breathe. And I know there's a psychology and a science behind that and there's meditative breathing and all, like I believe in all that, but, but when you do that, you are actually taking part in a spiritual practice 
because the breath that we have in our lungs is not just a natural breath for those of us who are believers, but it is a spiritual breath that when we take and we experience that, there is some appreciation that can come from that. And so for some of you, that may be what you need to focus on to get out of the slump or prevent yourself from going into the slump when our pace changes, our perspective changes. So what do we do? All right, you've given us four things, and there's probably way more, but just kind of looking at my life and just people's lives in general, what do we, what do, we do? Well, there's three things is we need to recognize we need to repent and we need to respond. As a preacher, you gotta have things that rhyme, right, or alliterate, and it's like we, we need to recognize where we're at. We need to repent and actually um, not just repent, but release it, not hold on to it. We need to release it, and then, then we need to respond. Our church's verse is actually this, guys. It comes from Jeremiah six sixteen, and it says, this is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. That's, that's recognized. We wanna recognize where we're at. Stop at the crossroads, pause. Stop at the crossroads, look around. Let's recognize where we're at. Am I going into a slump? Is my prayer time the way it should be? Um, am I worshiping just on Sundays? Am I, am I finding myself isolated a lot? Like recognize where we're at, repent and release. And it says, um, ask for the old godly way and walk in it. It's like, God, I need you. I'm sorry for what, like, I've found this. I'm turning this over to you. And then we respond. It says, travel its path. Travel its path. And when you walk in its path, you will find rest for your what? Souls. You'll find rest for your souls. I love it. Um, and so I don't know, like, which one of these, which one of these four? Is there something sin-wise that you're holding on to, something sin-wise that you're holding on to. Um, maybe you've not brought it before the Lord because you're afraid that he won't accept you for it. He already knows about it, and he's already accepted you, and he's already taken care of it. And maybe there's something that you don't realize. You need to bring this before the Lord. Maybe there's a level of obedience that he's calling you to walk to. Maybe you need to share that with someone else. That is your response. That is the action that you need to take because you've been keeping it to yourself and you've not shared it with someone to hold you accountable to it. The moment I started sharing about planning a church with my pastor, with someone other than my wife, he started holding me accountable to it started asking me about it. If there's something that you need to do, share it with someone so they can hold you accountable to it. And maybe our priorities have got out of whack, whether it's within our, our daily disciplines, our generosity, our relationships. Where are those priorities? We need to recognize that, repent and release it, and then just respond, take action. And for some of you, when you go on vacation this summer, you just need to completely shut your phones off, leave your technology in the room if you're at the beach, if you're at the mountains, and just slow your pace down. Get into the Word. Maybe you even need to do this. Maybe we need to go back, and, and I know we do 21 days of prayer and fasting. Um, 
beginning of the year, but maybe we take a mid-year evaluation and there's some things that we've allowed back in that we need to cut out. We need to fast from, and fasting isn't just about disciplining yourself, but it's about making more room in your life and in your schedule for the things of God. And, and I believe when we do these things, guys, this is, this is what could happen. In Isaiah chapter 43, the prophet says this. He says, for I am about to do something new. See, I've already begun it. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness and I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. And so think about our lives and maybe our spirit be in this dry wasteland. And last week we talked about when we live a life um, rooted in the things of God and rooted in the Holy Spirit, that there are these rivers of life that, that well up out of us. And it can be easy. Listen, spiritual slumps are common. It's okay to be in, but it's not okay to stay in, Right? And so as we go into this summer, let's, let's put our guards up and recognize where we might be finding ourselves going into a slump. And maybe you're here today and, and it's like, I don't even know what a spiritual slump is because I'm not in a relationship with Jesus, but maybe something during worship or even during the message, you felt something stirring on the inside of you. And, and what that is, guys, is that's the Holy Spirit drawing you to Jesus. Is that, that if I be lifted up, I would draw all men to me. And maybe there's sin in your life that you need to put down once and for all, knowing that it's covered through the sacrifice of Jesus. And it says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. It's not, it's not a possibility. It is a definite when we surrender our lives to Jesus. And so here's what I wanna do with, it, with every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's, if that's you today, I just, wanna, I just wanna be able to pray for you and if you need to surrender to your life, surrender your life to Christ, I just wanna be able to pray for you. It's nothing to be ashamed of. We've, anyone who's following Jesus in this room today has come to an opportunity where they have surrendered their sin, their shame, and their guilt to Jesus. And if that's you today, I just wanna know who I'm praying for. If you just lift your hand and you can put it right back down so that I can pray for you also. Awesome. And then here's what I want to do for the rest of us is that as we go into the summer, that we would be aware that we would um, take inventory of our heart, of our schedules, of our soul, of our spirit, of our time, of our priorities, and we would surrender whichever area it is um, to the Father to allow Him to strengthen us, not of our own strength, to get out of a spiritual slump but through his strength and his spirit um, to stay strong in him. So let's just pray together. Father, I just come to you and I thank you. God, I thank you for the hands that were lifted and even for the hearts that were lifted um, that need to surrender their life to you this morning, God, that um, whatever fear they have about following you, God, would just be dissolved. That whatever shame they have about themselves would just be replaced with confidence in who they are in you, that you have finished the work. And God, for those of us in here today that are following you, God, help us just to not get complacent 
and negligent with our relationship with you. Help us not to speed through life and fail to notice you. God, help us not just to hold on to sin because we're afraid that you will judge us for it, but we surrender it to you and you deal with it so that we can stay strong. Just as David said, feeling like we can jump over any wall, that we can face any battle. Recognize that there is no one like you, our God. And we thank you for what you're doing in our lives, in our families, and in the city. In Jesus' name.